Hello, thank you for downloading this episode of The Final Third. We have a really, really nice deep dive that we're getting into this week. We're talking about the Western Conference. We're giving our previews for every single team in the Western Conference. Their 2020 in review, the different transfers that they've had, their areas of concern, the players that we're excited to see from those teams, where we think they're going to finish in the league. But before any of that, go follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Final Third Show. In order to talk to us, engage with the community, we love talking to all of our listeners and followers there, so don't forget to do that. And also don't forget to leave us a rating uh, on Apple Podcasts or Podcast Addicts and give us a follow on Spotify, wherever. We'd like to highlight the five-star ratings we get, so if you want a shout-out, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and just a couple sentences on why you like the show. And yeah, we'll give you a shout-out. All right, enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the final third. Today, we have a deep dive and we're talking about the Western Conference. We're doing a preview of the MLS Western Conference, what to expect out of every single team. Last week, we did Eastern Conference. This week, we're heading west. And next week, we're going to talk about just some general predictions that we have about MLS in general, who's going to get like the golden boot, the supporter shield, stuff like that. So we're right in the middle of gearing up towards MLS it's really exciting. Jack, how are you feeling about MLS coming in just, what, a week from now? A little over? Uh, yeah. Well, I, I'm super pumped up for it. I'm excited to see Minnesota United come back. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to see every team come back, honestly, just because I, I, I want to see, it, like, you know, if these teams, you know, did the right work in the offseason to improve. And I'm also excited to see Austin FC and see what they have in store for us. Yeah. Well, you just mentioned Austin FC. We're going to go alphabetical order uh, within all of these different teams, except we have Minnesota United on top because Jack and I are both Minnesota United fans, as he just mentioned. So we're going to both talk about Minnesota United in just a little bit. But before that, Jack, why don't you explain kind of the format of how we're going to talk about these teams, what we're going to cover for each of these different clubs? Yeah, so for each of these clubs, we're going to talk about their 2020 season in review you know, kind of the highs and lows, any other important stats to understand what they're going into in 2021. Uh, and then we're going to talk about major transfers, you know, players coming in and out, uh, any important loans. And then we're going to move on to some important players. I think AJ and I both chose two to three players mm -hmm. on each team that could be that team's MVP or will be very important to their success. And then we highlight some major areas of concern, you know, some places where the teams could still do some work or might still need to do some work. And then we've got the predictions part uh, more so. What, what would make their 2021 successful? Kind of examining what they're ceiling, what they're aiming for is. Uh, and then their standings predictions, which we have ranked into tiers. Uh, and that's four different tiers. The first one being like, you know, these teams are a lock into the playoffs, the first four. And then uh, we, AJ and I kind of differed on how we, on how we did these tiers. Yeah. The next three to four are people who are going to be in a play or teams that are going to be in a playoff hunt. Uh, and then the next, uh, yeah, three after that, sorry, uh, are going to be teams that we're kind of thinking are going to be on the outside of things, but could make a chance at the playoffs. And then three or two to three that are not really 
in a great position towards the bottom of the leaderboard. So some wooden spoon contenders. And that's how that is going to go. Yeah, really excited to get into this. So let's just let's just get into it then. Let's start off right off the bat with our hometown team, Minnesota United. Jack, I'm going to give you the honors of introducing how 2020 went for Minnesota United. And you can even talk about some of the acquisitions and sales as well. Go ahead. Yeah, so uh, in 2020, it, for a review of Minnesota United season, it was an overperformance by a lot of standards, given a lot of injury concerns. But after that overperformance, they did what Minnesota sports teams do best and choke yeah. at the last minute. The Loons made it much further in their second playoff appearance, being 15 minutes away from an, an MLS Cup appearance. But they gave up three goals in those minutes to lose to Seattle, which still haunts my memories. Uh, mm-hmm. They also made it to the semis of the MLS's back tourney. And they brought in a player that they had been scouting for a while in Babelo Reynoso from Argentina, which was a big deal for us uh, because he really changed our season. And as far as some major transfers go, there was a lot of shakeup this offseason. A lot of players leaving, including the, uh, one of their star players and top scorer for last season with nine goals, Kevin Molino, who made his way to the Columbus crew. And they also canceled contract options for a host of other players, Jose Aja, Aaron Schoenfeld, Raheem Edwards, Kai Kamara, Marlon Hairston, Greg Ranjitsing, Kevin Partita, James Musa, and Sam Gleedle. They also sent Thomas Sh- Tomas Chacon on loan uh, and didn't renew a loan for Luis Amaria, who kind of flopped for us, although he was injured a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they've brought in a lot of players to replace those losses. Uh, you know, Nico Hansen on the wing, uh, who seems to have a great, who seems to be playing well in preseason. Uh, Juan Agudelo, I think I'm pronouncing that right, at center forward. Uh, Will Trapp at central defensive midfield. And a bunch of other players in there. Uh, the other big one that I'm going, that I am going to mention is Yuka Raitala from Montreal. He's a veteran left back that could do a lot, that provides a lot of cover at that position. Beyond that, AJ, why don't you let some pe- the people know about some of our more important players and maybe some areas of concern. Yeah, so for Minnesota United, I think that their most important player, we all know who it is. It's obviously Michael Boxel. No, I mean, Michael Boxel's important. I have him as one of my most important players. I do too, yeah. But Reynoso is our MVP. He was our MVP. He's going to be our MVP in the future. He's obviously our most important player. He got six assists in three games in the playoffs, and he either assisted or scored 80% of our goals in the last six games we played. That's crazy. Other than him, other than we still have some really good players that can be key pieces of our team. We have Jan Gregush, who is going to be our rock at number eight, anchoring the attack and creating attacks going into the middle third and the final third name drop. As I said before, Michael Boxel, I said it in jest, but we have to admit he's been a rock in our defense since 2017, and he's the type of technically gifted CB you want to lead the back line. Other important players for me include Robin Ludd and Metanier. And for a breakout player, I said Dane St. Clair because I think he could stamp his way as the starting goalkeeper. For major areas of concern, we've never had a solid, dependable number nine in MLS. Even Christian Ramirez was on and off for us at some points. 
So we still don't have a number nine that can be a game changer and bag maybe 15 plus goals a season. But we might get that in a potential signing that we have kind of in the works right now. Ramon Abila, I believe is how you pronounce it, from Boca Juniors in Argentina. He is a 31-year-old, uh, at least somewhere in, in his early 30s. He's a striker who can you know, bag in goals as long as he's healthy, which is a concern of his, and which is why number nine, even if we get him, is still going to be a major area of concern. There's a lot of question marks on whether or not he can be healthy, whether or not uh, Aguadelo is good enough to play as a backup. Uh, second area concern is we might be too dependent on Reynoso. He did create 80% of our goals, but what happens if he gets injured? You know, what happens if he goes cold? Who steps up? The jury is still out. Jack, are there any other major areas of concerns or any players that you are really excited to see on this Minnesota team? Well, I mean, you mentioned literally everyone that I was going to mention in most nice. important players, because I think we have very similar ideas about you know, who our most important players are. Uh, you know, I, I, I also think Robin Wood, we, we both kind of clowned on him a lot before yeah. last season, but he kind of just transformed into a beast as soon as he swapped wings, and uh, that really helped him out. But another area of concern, uh, there, we have a bit of a goalkeeper dilemma, because, and you kind of mentioned this. Dane St. Clair and Tyler Miller are both great goalkeepers. You know, Tyler Miller was incredible in the MLS's back tournament and that mm -hmm. penalty shootout against the Columbus crew. Uh, I think, I think we'll both remember him for that for quite some time. Uh, and, you know, Dane St. Clair saved our season after, you know, Greg Ranjitsin was not everything we needed in a backup goalkeeper. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think the, the key thing is who's going to get the starts and, you know, uh, is, are either of these players going to be content sitting on the bench when, uh, if uh, like they don't get the starting spot and that that's a big question i think and it's one that minnesota have to answer sooner rather than later so uh that that's actually something i'm really looking forward to to see how that gets resolved yeah and i'm really excited for i didn't even think about the goalkeeper situation that is going to be an interesting thing to see but for you jack what would make their 2021 successful i think an mls cup appearance they were so close we were so close to doing it last year at we we were 15 minutes away uh if i mean western conference final i feel like is definitely like a, a marker of success but mls cup is the key thing that makes this successful this is a team that no longer is just trying to make it into the playoffs they have they're a good team in the western conference so mls cup has to be an aspiration for them all right. I also said MLS Cup. I said at least an insanely deep playoff run. Jack, where do you have them in the standings? Because I will say I have them in that top tier. I have them as playoff, con like serious contenders, not just for the playoffs, but for MLS Cup. I got them third. Jack, where do you have them? I, I have them in that same tier. And I, I was kind of I was debating putting them in third, but I ended up putting them in second, actually. Whoa. I I think like even though we don't really have like the center forward, like the star center forward that a lot of other teams have. I think Reynoso's chances and the wing play that we have, like we have some really good wingers. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like just because of that, it doesn't really matter who we roll out into in, in the number nine spot, if we, because we're going to be creating a lot of chances that we're bound to finish some of them, regardless of who's up top. 
So I, I feel pretty confident. I could see them going to third as well, though. I, but I, regardless, they're in that top tier. Yes, at least, hopefully. Hopefully, hopefully yeah. We go from one team who, you know, Minnesota United, I'm really proud of because they went from expansion, uh, an expansion team who just couldn't get anything right seemingly in that first year to, you know, a really good contender. We have, we got Austin FC, you know, going through the same thing Minnesota United did, but maybe in a better place than, than we were. Jack, you start us off with Austin FC. What do you make of Verde? Yeah, so, I mean, for a 2020 season review, I mean, like, it's nothing really to say here. They, they've been focusing on getting ready for their inaugural season, and they've made some good acquisitions. And, like, for major transfers, I could say pretty much the entire team, because they brought in a lot of good names. Uh, but if I had to pick a few, uh, I'd say Danny Hoosen from San Jose. That, that was a pretty big pickup. And uh, Matt Beasler from uh, Sporting Kansas City. You know, that locker room pre- presence of an MLS veteran defender is going to be big. And Alex Ring, you know, NYCFC's former captain, that was a big, that was a big steal by, uh, by Austin to get him down there. And, uh, you know, he could be really good for them. Uh, but, you know, I can't really, I can't, I, I can't go through the major transfers without talking about two of the biggest ones, which are midfielder Tomas Pochettino from Argentina, who cost $2.5 million and Zan Kolmanac, a fullback on loan from SK Maribor in Slovenia. So there, there's some big-name players in there, and it'll be interesting to see how they, uh, how they turn up. But for most important players, uh, the three that I chose were Danny Husen, Alex Rain, and Tomas Pochettino. Uh, expansion teams usually do really well when they get solid veterans, and Husen and Rain certainly fit that mold. They both previously captained their clubs at some point in time. Uh, Husen, not as much so, but, uh, you know, uh, they, they both are veterans who can lead, uh, and Pochettino has some big expectations, but just looking at some of his play from some clips that I found, he seems like a very solid player who can contribute, who could contribute a lot to the team, but major areas of concern. I think the main one that I saw when I was going through their roster is the goalkeeping department. Because all three of their goalkeepers are former second-string keepers, really, uh, who rarely played in the league. Their their biggest their goalkeeper with the most appearances is Andrew Tarbell, who made forty appearances in four seasons for San Jose. Uh, so it's a big question as to who will be the number one and who is going to be able to step up into that role. Because you know it's kind of, it's kind of tough uh, with that. But uh, what would make their twenty twenty one successful? Uh, for expansion teams, it's kind of tough to judge this because uh, it could go either really well or really poorly. I think, you know, uh, just not being last is a really good, successful Fair. marker uh, for, a, a, for an expansion team, uh, especially since they're going to be on a long away run into, from April until June. Uh, so that, that's going to be exp- impressive enough for the expansion team. Uh, but... Standings, this, this was the hardest team to rank because I have them kind of on the verge of the third and fourth tier, which might seem a little unfair to them, but expansion teams are just so difficult to predict. And, you know, I, they, they played well against non-MLS teams in preseason, but they lost twice to the Houston Dynamo. Uh, and they, they, they didn't look amazing in them. They had some bright moments. So I, I think... 
I don't think they'll finish last, but I put them in the bottom tier, unfortunately, for a 12th place finish. All right. All right. I had them as 10th. I had them in the third tier. Okay. I think That's they fine. have a talented squad. But when I was going through all these teams, I was like, a lot of these teams are really, really talented. So that's why I put them down there. It's not for lack of talent on their part, but rather just the sheer amount of quality in the teams right above them. I think Austin FC is going to do really, really well in their own rights. I think they're going to, you know, their fans are going to be happy based on where they they finish, just based on the fight that they give towards the end of the season. But the one piece of concern that I have for this team, and Jack, I'm going to ask you what you think about this, is as Francisco of Twin Oaks TV, uh, who came on the podcast to talk about Austin FC just a couple of weeks ago, he mentioned their striker position is very, very precarious right now. We got, was it, Husen as their own, like the only dependable striker. We have Aaron Schoenfeld, who we know quite well, isn't the most prolific of strikers. Do you think that's enough? to go forward and you know try to be a decent team do you think that's that depth in striker is enough yeah i can't believe i forgot about this because it's something i wanted to bring up uh but yeah uh Husen, he's not really a, an out and out striker he's more of a like he's, he seems more like a firmino-esque uh center forward you know like kind of dropping kind of deep to create more and he played really well off of like someone like chris wandelowski and Aaron Schoenfeld is no Chris Wondolowski. Uh, <laughs> but so I, I'm not I'm not quite sure, which is, is part of why I kind of rank them lower, because a lot of these teams like have a clear goal scoring threat because I can see a lot of chances being created for Austin, like, you know, by uh, by Tomas Pochettino and um, uh, Danny Husen, But I'm not sure who finishes them. So I, I think that's part of why I rank them so low. I could probably swap them into 11th as well. Like I said, very difficult to rank between, right between the third and fourth here. Nice, nice. Well, let's move on to the next team, and that is the Colorado Rapids. Their 2020 in review, COVID hit them hard, uh, if you will remember, causing them to have to postpone many of their games in the fall. They did, however, get into the playoffs due to the table switching from points to points per game. They did show flashes of brilliance, highlighting the skill that their relatively young core can bring. It's been years of rebuilding for you know Colorado faithful, giving them the nickname the Crapids. But I think that Colorado has a chance this year to be decent. In terms of new acquisitions and major sales, they brought in uh, Michael Berrios from FC Dallas, a winger that can serve as depth to Jonathan Lewis, veteran goalkeeper William Yarborough, who will strengthen their defense. But for the most part, they kept most of their core. Not many people left that were really important to their team. Their most important slash breakout players, I went with Kellen Acosta, who is such a talented defensive midfielder, giving Colorado the defensive cover they need. And when he played in their regular season, they only lost two games. Now, don't mention their playoffs or their MLS's back uh, tournament appearances because those didn't turn out too well. But, you know, he's a good player. Also, Lalas Akubakar. I've been a huge fan of his since his time in Columbus. I've spoken about him. I've raved about him to Jack many times. Uh, he's a talented center back with a consistency to settle even the shakiest of defenses. He's been voted Colorado's Defensive Player of the Year for two years in a row, and he'll only get better. Just to name off a few more players, Vines, he's a solid left back who can pass and dribble forward like a wizard. 
And for breakout players, other than their super draft pick, Mayaka, I went with 17-year-old Cole Bassett. He's had a crazy 2020 season with five goals and five assists. He'll likely start for the Rapids going forward, and he'll bring some serious creativity as one of their number eights. Major areas of concern, I mean, I, I just went off on like how good these players are, but at the same time, who's their guy? Like, who is their game changer? Is it Namli? Is it Lewis? Is it Fines? When the whole team is struggling, who puts them on their back? And that's the major, that's like one of the only areas of concern other than just like their ceiling might not be as high as other teams, just talent wise. So what would make their 2021 successful? I would go with just playoffs, just playoffs, hopefully a playoff win, but anything to build off a very positive 2020 season and elevate them just a level above where they were before would be very good. I had them, I believe, in my second tier. I had them in seventh place, right on the edge of not getting playoffs. But I think they'll be able to build off what they, how they did last year and hopefully you know, find some more consistency. Jack, what do you think? Yeah, well, I have them in a very similar position. I have them in my second tier. Uh, put them in eighth, so very close to missing out. But I, I think, I think they, they have a pretty solid team, but... Like you said, uh, my, my major question is, who are, the, who are those big difference makers? And then one other person I wanted to mention that I think is going to be key for the Rapids, and has been for some time, uh, Jack Price is a very good central mm-hmm. midfielder who ha- who's deadly from a free kick, honestly, from a dead ball situation. He, uh, I remember the opening, I, I, I want to say it was the opening game of last season, uh, he scored just an incredible, like a from an impossible angle, a free kick to save a point for Colorado, which was uh, really well done. So I, I think like, you know, he could be, a, he could potentially be that difference maker, but uh, the, those, that that's pretty much what I have to say about Colorado. I think they can make the playoffs. Will they be able to like do well in those playoffs? I'm not so sure. Yes. I'm going to have to agree. I think we're, we might be selling them a little bit short because they were fifth seed last season. They did. You know, they, they did got there because of from that points per game. Yeah, point. so mm, I don't know if last year's a really good uh, representation of them as a team. So we'll see, we'll see. But an, another team who you know is in the West, kind of has some questions about them, is FC Dallas. They're 2020 in review. They're all right. 2020 getting six seed in the West, even upsetting Portland Timbers in the first round of MLS Cup playoffs. They did have a knack of going hot for three games, going cold for another three. I would say their form last year was inconsistent, to say the least. In terms of player sales and player transfers in, uh, for transfers in, Jose Antonio Martinez Heel, 27-year-old defender from Ibar in Spain, could give Dallas some solid central defender quality next to Matt Hedges. Also, uh, ooh, I'm so sorry, by the way, for all the players I'm about to name for FC Dallas, because... I'm going to mispronounce them. I'm so sorry. We're starting off with Jader O'Brien. Sure. A 25-year-old Colombian winger who won the Colombian League's Golden Boot. He's an insane talent who will be able to create and finish chances for Dallas. Freddy Vargas is another young winger who can add attacking depth. And for sales, where do I begin? How about I just name them? Pablo Aringuiz. Ooh, that's not even close. <laughs> sure. Sure, I'm so sorry. Club to Club Universidad de Chile in Chile. Callum Montgomery to Minnesota. 
Fafa Picot to Houston, their rival. Michael Barrios, who I mentioned earlier, moved to Colorado. He had 179 appearances for Dallas. He's no longer there. Tiago Santos to Gremio in Brazil. Brian Reynolds, 19-year-old right back to AS Roma in Italy. And this isn't to mention letting Rito Ziegler, their captain, leave after three seasons. In all, they let go of about 10 players. But in a way, it doesn't matter. Because when we talk about important slash breakout players, Dallas has players that you've never even heard of, but are attracting European interest because their academy is that good. Look out for Paxton Pomichol, the creative midfielder that's going to be the focal point of their attacks going forward. Expect him to not just pass the ball well, but track back on defense really well as, uh, as he's good on both sides of the ball. Frank O'Hara, their DP forward, look out for him too, because he can really hit the ground running this season if he can clean up his output as he only had seven goals last season. He's in competition for the number nine spot for the likes of Jesus Pereira, a homegrown player with tons of talent. And speaking of homegrown players, they have so many. Tanner Tessman, Ricardo Pepe, Thomas Roberts, Edwin Cirillo. Any one of those players can have a breakout season. And I even even talked about Matt Hedges, who's been with FC Dallas his entire career since 2012. He's played 262 games for them and is the anchor in their central defense. So major areas of concern, you know, I listed out a lot of bad things about their transfers out, a lot of good things about their current player pool. Their DP situation has been a point of weakness for them in the past. Sure, they have a good academy, but the players they bring in through transfers are lackluster. Hara, Brian Acosta, both DPs haven't been great. If you can't, you, if you can't get the most out of your DPs and only rely on the academy, you're not going to reach the, reach the upper echelons of MLS. And so what would make 2021 successful successful for them? I'm going to say playoffs. Like Colorado, it's just playoffs. They need to prove that they are for real and not just a selling team. I have them as... mm, What do I have them as? I have them definitely in the the second tier. I had them... I had them around Colorado Rapids in sixth. Jack, where did you have them? I have them a place above the Rapids just like you, but I have them in seventh. Um, Okay. Yeah, I mean, there's a few question marks over the FC Dallas team, especially like, you know, they, they sold Reggie Cannon last season with the expectation of, oh, we have Brian Reynolds who can take over for him. And then they also just sent him to Roma as well. So it's uh, it's very strange to see, like, who is going to take over that right back spot? Because they, they haven't brought in, like, someone I feel like that's at the same level as either of those players. And also... Is that uh, Colombian winger uh, ready? I, I can't remember his name, uh, to be honest, but uh, is he ready to take over from Michael Barrios? Who, because, you know, he was one of their biggest goal scoring threats last season. Uh, so is, uh, do they have someone who's going to be able to take over and contribute in those goals? I'm not quite sure, but, uh, you know, that I, I think those are the two big question marks, like that right back spot and then the number nine spot. Who's going to take that on? Yeah, there's a lot of questions with this team. I don't really have a solid answer for either of those. I think maybe FC Dallas fans also don't, because I see a lot of uh, FC Dallas fans kind of confused and upset about their current transfer policies, you know, selling a lot of these players who, you know, they'd hope to get the most out of. So we're going we're gonna to see. I think FC Dallas is a wait-and-see team. I like a lot of things about their team. 
I have questions about some others. So uh, that's something that we're going to have to evaluate later on in the season. But moving to another Texas team, I think, what is this? This is like all three Texas yeah. teams, right? And yeah. like the, the first four teams that we talked about. We're going to the Houston Dynamo. Jack, you're covering them. Do you think that they're going to be better than FC Dallas? Um, I'm, I'm just going to put it out. No, I don't think so. Um, <laughs> but 2020 season review, in, in just a word, horrendous. Uh, that, that's about it. They finished bottom in the West and second worst overall, only better than FC Cincinnati, which is not saying that much, honestly. They also conceded 40 goals for a negative 10 goal differential, nearly two conceded every game. So they've got to step their game up this season. For major transfers, the big one coming in is Joe Corona from the Galaxy. That's a pretty big addition, but it seems to be a pretty strange one given that creativity and their midfield wasn't really their issue. They've never had an issue scoring goals, which makes next two signings, Maxi Uriti, I spelled that wrong in my notes, Uriti from Montreal, (laughs) and Ariel Lasseter from Alajulense, both attacking players, and yet attacking was never their problem. Uh, And they also sent out a few players, uh, Nico Hansen, who came to Minnesota, uh, fan favorite Mauro Minotas, and defender Aljaz Strunia. So they they got rid of quite a few names in there and brought in some strange additions, in my opinion. Uh, But most important players, I think Joe Corona could be a very important player for Houston, very solid to link between the defense and the attack. And I'm also tempted to say the former Minnesota man, Darwin Quintero, will be a big player for them after having a very good, for at least the Houston Dynamo's standards, 2020 season. Uh, he contributed eight assists overall, and and uh, I believe eight goals as well. So he had a very good season, and if he can contribute like he did last season, they'll, they'll do well. Beyond that, I'm I'm not really sure who else is going to be a big name for Houston. Like, they don't have a ton of standout players, uh, in all honesty. But major areas of concern, like we talked about last last time for the Eastern preview, where is the defense? Where is the defensive depth? Their standout defender is 37-year-old Maynor Figueroa, and without him, that defense looks pretty dang thin. Beyond just the defense, who's going to be their out-and-out striker? Quintero mm-hmm. can play as a striker, but he's better in a creative role, and Uriti is... You know, he can play as a striker, but again, he's better at like a center forward kind of creative role. So I'm not really sure who's going to be finishing a lot of the chances that get created. Uh, So it kind of looks grim at both ends of the field for them. And what would make their 2021 successful? I think the Dynamo have a lot lower standards than they did just a few seasons ago. Yeah, Uh, It's got to be about fixing up their defense. In their past three seasons, in each of them, they have conceded more, uh, they've conceded uh, between 1.7 and 1.75 goals per game, which is not a good ratio. They've almost always conceded around 50 goals in normal seasons, nearly 60 in a lot of those as well. Uh, you know, it, the Dynamo's downfall isn't about not consistently scoring. It's about not letting goals in. And honestly, I, I think just fixing that defense is going to be a big sign of, and I've said this a lot for a lot of teams, just defense fixing it is going to be a huge step in the right direction. But I don't think playoffs is a really realistic aspiration this season. Uh, standings predictions, I honestly just haven't seen enough improvement from the Dynamo beyond Joe Corona. Uh, but 
you know, they just haven't fixed any defensive issues. And because of that, I, I put them in the last tier and in dead last. So sorry, H-Town, but you, you've got to fill, fill out that bottom spot for me. Sorry, H-Town, indeed, bro. That's, that's so sad for, for, such, for such an interesting team with a, a nice downtown stadium. And honestly, I have them in dead last, too. So I suppose, I suppose it's just a bunch of negatives going down in H-Town right now. You mentioned that they have had very positive outings in attack the past couple seasons. They got rid of a lot of those players and they replaced them with, you know, like you said, not the best acquisitions. And I do have one question for you, Jack. I, I'm forgetting who was your wooden spoon winner last uh, last week. But do you think who do you think is going to get the overall wooden spoon? Because you have Dynamo as last place here. Is it going to be the Dynamo or the other team you have in the East? See, I had Inter Miami in last okay. uh, last week, and I I think I think Houston is the one. I I'm, I know it just keeps getting worse, but uh, you know I I think it's got to be Houston because uh, you, you know they don't have an out and out goal scorer like Miami does, and you know Miami's depth is just a lot more impressive than Houston's. It's just Miami's problem is more. A result of not a lot, just a lot of question marks, a lot of unknowns, and Houston's is just like we know who they have, and it's just <laughs> not very great. Uh, I it feels bad to say because I really like Darwin Quintero for Minnesota, but I I just this don't see so enough. Sad. He he's just he's just like the only thing that carries that team, and it feels feels mean to say, but I I that that's honestly just how I feel about the Dynamo. It sucks because they, they do still have Christian Ramirez, I believe, mm-hmm. and yet that's still not a good enough answer for number nine. Unfortunate. Anyone who's listening from Houston is already turned off. I'm so sorry. But let's go from one pretty bad team last season to another pretty bad team last season, and that's the LA Galaxy. Last year, it was another season and another disappointment. They've made the playoffs just once in the past four years. And last season saw them come 10th in the West with a disappointing one point per game. Chicharito, their marquee signing did not deliver, getting them only two goals last season. They'll be looking to create something new here, try to build off of the little momentum they have with a new head coach. Their biggest acquisition, moving on to acquisitions and sales, was Greg Vanny, former MLS Cup winner, former Toronto FC coach, and former LA Galaxy player. He knows the team, he knows how to win, he knows the league, and he brings in a lot of great experience that hopefully they can use to propel themselves forward. In terms of acquisitions, uh, aside from head coach, we have George Villafana, Timbers, left back, who for a while in 2018 played for the U.S. men's national team, so pretty decent get. Jonathan Bond, their new starting goalkeeper from West Brom, hasn't played a single pro game since 2018. That's a concern, but he's been doing pretty well in preseason. Derek Williams, which I think is probably their one of their biggest signings this season. 28-year-old Irish center back from Blackburn Rovers. He's had a lot of experience playing in the English Championship and impressively is still in his prime. Samuel Granser is a 24-year-old French winger with some serious Liga experiences playing for Monaco, Brest, and Troyes. Kevin Cabral, another young 21-year-old French winger. They did get rid of Christian Pavon, 
who on the field will be a huge loss because he's an A1 attacker. But off the field, he's being charged with sexual assault back in Argentina, so no thank you. And in terms of most important slash breakout players, I'm going to go with Chicharito is their most important player. You got to get the most out of him. He scored goals wherever he's been. And from what we're seeing out of the Galaxy's preseason comments, it looks like he's, you know, improving and will be able to actually deliver unlike last season. Derek Williams, I mentioned before, their defense has been shambolic for a while. So a solid center back with some high level experience will go a long way in calming down a defense that's been sometimes untrustworthy. Sebastian Legette, that's my guy. He's got to mention him. He's cool as hell. Jonathan Dos Santos, he's had many injury concerns that it almost seems like he's doomed to play poorly. But trust me, he has the skill to be among the best in MLS. And for breakout players, 19-year-old right back Julian Araujo and 18-year-old winger Efren Alvarez, both really young players who can truly have breakout seasons. They're young, they're creative, and they're likely to start. So keep an eye out for them. Major areas of concern. Do I need to say it? It's a weirdly built squad. There's no real cohesion. You have some bona fide stars in Dos Santos and Chicharito, some med-level players in Vasquez, Villafania, and young players who have a lot of things to prove. The question for me is, can Greg Vanny actually stitch together this, this mosaic of different types of players, of different players who came from, let's face it, different head coaches, different head coaches' visions, and get them to play the style he wants? It's a pretty big ask, but... If it's one guy who could do it, it is Greg Vanny. What would make their 2021 successful? For me, they don't even have to make playoffs. Just be in the bubble. They're admittedly still rebuilding right now, so they just need to show positive movement upwards. I do like some of the moves they made, but it's a really big question on whether or not it can actually work. I had them right outside looking in at 8th place, right in the, the top of that third tier. Jack, what do you think about the Galaxy? Am I trying to hype them up too much? Well, actually, I, I put them... I, I might have hyped them up more because I put oh, them wow. in sixth. Uh, oh, wow. I, I think that, you know, they could do some good things. I was looking at their acquisitions and I was like, geez, like, they just went on a tear. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they, they, they just did what Chelsea did last season, but we'll see if they actually stitch everything together in time or if they... if uh, Greg Vanny pulls a Frank Lampard and, you know, just fails uh but i i think that they can do well uh that defensive solidity that you were talking about they conceded exactly two goals per game last season and it, it seems like they've done a lot of rebuilding around that defense which fair play to them they've actually built up what they needed to build up which is a common theme that we have not seen present in most of these or an uncommon theme i should say then uh, that we haven't seen present in a lot of these teams so I, I think that they could fix that up a lot, and if Chicharito is going to find his form like he has been, he's been looking good in preseason, then, you know, I, I think that his that the Galaxy will do quite well. All right, well, let's go to their LA rivals, LAFC. They might be in a better place than the Galaxy. So, Jack, what do you think about LAFC? How will they do? Yeah, well... Uh, 2020 season review for the uh, for LAFC. They were mediocre domestically, but nearly historic continentally. They made it into the playoffs and lost in the first round to Seattle, which is like okay. I mean, mediocre, uh, especially for LAFC. But they made it into the final of the CCL, only to lose two to one to Tigres, nearly becoming, I, I believe, the first MLS team to win the CCL, uh, which would have been very impressive. But uh, 
beyond that, they've made some good transfer business. They've, they've got two big transfers in. Corey Baird came in from RSL, and Kim Moon-Hwan, a defender from the South Korean League. And, uh, and, and I've got to mention, the, the announcement video they made for, uh, for Kim Moon-Hwan was quite mm-hmm. well made as well. Uh, not really relevant to transfer business, but uh, an interesting <laughs> note. Uh, as far as transfers out go, they let go of comeback player of the year, Bradley Wright Phillips. Uh, Brian Rodriguez and a few other bit part players, not, not a ton of movement out and not a ton of movement in this team really retained its core. Uh, and most important players. I mean, like it's pretty obvious for one of the most important players, one of the best players in the league, Carlos Vela. If he's not injured, LAFC will do really well. And of course you have Diego Rossi, who was the golden boot winner last season. And, you know, for, uh, I could honestly, for a third most important player, I could throw in almost any member of the LAFC squad because that just shows you how solid they can be on their day. Uh, I, I put in Eduardo Atuesta uh, in, into the mix of potential MVPs for LAFC. They just have a really solid core around their squad. And, you know, major areas of concern, the, I actually struggled to come up with a lot of them. I guess their <laughs> goalkeeper situation isn't... Uh, ideal they, their true. goalkeeper didn't really uh kenneth vermeer you know they sold tyler miller thinking kenneth vermeer was their long-term answer but he didn't really impress all that often for lafc he made some good saves here and there but he wasn't incredible i i guess the biggest question is what do they do if carlos vela is injured again and gets another long-term injury because you know he's getting up there in age he, he's he's not getting any younger and I, I mean, Diego Rossi kind of filled in for him last season, but who else can fill in for them to make them do even better? But uh, yeah, what would make their 2021 successful? They need to make a better run in the playoffs. They, they've just been cursed in the postseason, it seems. Uh, they, they've gone out to teams that they probably should not have gone out to, and they've done pretty poorly in the playoffs. Uh, been, the past few years, filled with early exits, I think conference semis or even the Western Conference final would be something that makes their 2021 successful. And standings predictions, just because of how solid this team is and because they retain the core, I, I actually put them in the top tier and I, I'm going as far as to say that they go to the top spot and win the Western Conference. Might be a bit of a, a, of a call, but uh, I, I, I think they're a really solid team. Jack... I'll have you know that I also have them in first. Okay. <laughs> and I feel like a lot of people will, and it might come back to bite us in the butt because LAFC have just this knack for, you know, getting really hyped up and eventually dis- disappointing all of us. We should know better. But when I look at this team, I see just the scariest attack of all time. R- Rossi on one side, Vela on the other, Kay and Blessing at Westa in the midfield. You know, uh, Central uh, forward might be a little bit of a question mark. As you said, goalkeeper, also kind of a question mark. But you mentioned getting to the conference finals. Do you think that's really what it takes for them to be like excited? But when you think about it, like when you actually think about it, if they get first place, don't you think that they should be making MLS Cup, getting to MLS Cup, maybe winning that? Will their expectations really be just like, get to the second round of the playoffs. I, I honestly think like the thing is they, I, I, if I'm remembering correctly, they've never made it past 
the conference semifinals in the playoffs. And, you know, they've got to fix that kind of thing. I, I think, like, you know, they, they probably should make MLS Cup. You're right. And I, I even, I, I, should, I should have phrased this even better. Conference finals are a minimum for success. Okay. That's okay. what I have in my notes. I, I should have read that verbatim because that makes it a lot more clear. Yeah, because I, I just look it up. Uh, 2018 and 2020, they exited in the first round. 2019, which is their record-breaking point season, they got to the conference finals, losing to, what, Seattle in that. Oh, right. So, they, they only played two playoff games, though, because they were first seed. Okay. Yes, yes. I forgot that. That. Is, that is correct. So, you know, a, a, lot of, a lot of question marks there from LAFC. You know, another team that I think could do really well is the Portland Timbers. Uh, their 2020 was, you know, pretty good. They saw some relative success winning MLS's back tournament over Orlando in Orlando and getting a very respectable third place in the West. However, they did get bounced out of the playoffs by Dallas. And with their star players getting older, the team knows that this might be their last chance to capitalize on their talented squad. So who do they bring in? Well, they brought in Jose Carlos Van Rankin on loan from Chivas. He gives them some solid fullback depth, which bodes well for them as they're going to be playing in the ever-demanding CCL. They also brought in Claudio Bravo. No, not that one. The 24-year-old left back from Argentina who can dribble past opposing players like nobody's business. Expect him to be pretty far up the field, depending on how the head coach wants him to play, but you know that is probably his best trait. They did let go of Georges Villafania, their former left back, and Marco Farfan, another left back of theirs, along with Chris Duval, George Moreira, and Andres Flores. In terms of most important slash breakout players, I feel like the two that I'm about to mention are pretty obvious. Diego Valeri, Mr. Portland himself, the attack flows through him, and on his day, he is the best player in the entire league. He's been with the Timber since 2013 and has scored 80 goals in that time period. He may be getting older, but he can still make things happen. Let's have Diego Chara, who's also getting older, and yet there he is, still just bossing the midfield. He is, in my opinion, the best defensive midfielder in the league, hands down, no question about it. He has the unique ability to stop attacks right in their tracks and create attacks for Timbers in a blink of an eye. He's a really, really great player who, despite the sheer amount of yellow cards he's accumulated, is one of the best all-time players in MLS. Major areas of concern, I said depth. Char and Valeria are turning 35, so who's going to fill in for them if they get injured or need to rest? Who's their fullback depth outside of their two signings? Blanco is coming back from, from injury, so who's going to step in for him in case he gets injured again? They have the talent. Let's make that clear. They have the players who might be able to step up. It's just a matter of who is willing to take that mantle. What makes their 2021 successful? This is the last chance with this group, and it's a very, very talented group. It's go big or go home. I'm saying they got to expect MLS Cup Final, Western Conference at least, bare minimum. Same thing with LAFC. My prediction, first tier, top tier, second place in the West. Jack, where do you put Rose City? Well, I put them a little bit lower than you did. I, I, I have them in the top tier, I should say, uh, before any Portland fans turn this off, but... I have them in fourth place, and there's just a few Ooh. reasons for that. I, I think the big question, and you kind of highlighted this, is depth. Like, they're going to be competing in the CCL, and 
you know, Diego Valeri and or and Diego Chara, both 35. They will be this season. And, you know, they're not going to be able to play all of these games at the same time. And, you know, I, I don't think they're going to be able to start week in and week out in MLS. And I think that's going to pose some problems for them. And especially with Sebastian Blanco coming back from an ACL tear, which is a nasty injury. And, uh, you know, defensive depth. <laughs> like, like, uh, like we've parroted throughout like these two previews, there's not a lot of it. And I, I think that's what kind of serves as their downfall. Uh, you know, it, it's just all of these competitions, plus the lack of depth, plus the aging pool of players that they have, I think just means that they will be solid playoff contenders, but just not like, I, I just think a little bit lower than second place. But let's move on to a team that, in my opinion, definitely doesn't have the talent. That's RSL. Jack, walk us through Real Salt Lake. Yeah, well, RSL are a bit of an interesting team. 2020 season review, not going to lie, not a great season, all things considered. They looked promising at points, but still finished 11th out of 12 in the West and conceded 35 goals, uh, which isn't as bad as some other teams uh, that conceded, you know, over 50. Cough, cough, LA Galaxy. Hmm. They need to improve a lot more, though, if if uh, Real Salt Lake want to get back into the playoffs. So they made some transfers, but a lot of those transfers in were from their academy and USL subsidiary, the the Real Monarchs. However, they did make a pretty recent and pretty major signing. Uh, again, I'm not a, US, uh, a major M- USMNT fan, but from my understanding, Bobby Wood was a pretty major signing because he was uh, once known as you know, kind of the next big thing for the USMNT. Uh, so it could, he could be a really good fit for the team, especially since they lost a lot of their striker pool. Uh, you know, Corey Baird is going to, is, I said he's going to RSL. He's going to LAFC. He's leaving mm-hmm. RSL. Sam Johnson left by mutual agreement. Alvin Jones is gone. Nedem Anuoha retired. And of course, MLS legend Kyle Beckerman retired as well after over 20 seasons in MLS. So they've lost a lot of really good quality players. Uh, But most important players, I think that we could see David Ochoa have a breakout season after his very good Olympics performances, save for that one error he made. (laughs) Uh, We we won't bring that up too much, though, because AJ and I are both big fans of Ochoa. Uh, I'm not sure if he'll surpass Zach McMath quite yet, but I think he really he could make a strong challenge for the number one spot. The other two big ones include a personal favorite of mine, Slovakian central attacking midfielder Albert Rusnak, and homegrown defender Justin Glad, who also impressed in that Olympic qualifying campaign. RSL have a lot of upcoming talent that could be really good for them. Uh, it's, it's just a question of if they're able to capitalize on it and make it all click. But major areas of concern, I mean, the biggest one has to be that the team doesn't have an owner, which makes transfer business really difficult. That's fair. That's very fair. I mean, they haven't been able to attract a ton of transfers, and it's a reason why they've signed a lot of Academy and and Real Monarchs players. Uh, The main issue is just this uncertainty, because their attack has plenty of players. There's just not many standout players in that attack, besides Rusnak and maybe uh, Bobby Wood, uh, depending on how he gets on in... MLS. And what would make 2021 successful? 
trying to challenge for the playoffs, getting back into the playoffs. That's about it. They need to prove last season was a fluke. They they had a pretty solid run uh, in 2019, but 2020 was just such a big departure from that. So they have to prove that they are a solid team. Uh, but overall, you know, I this I really struggled to rank RSL and uh, a lot of other teams in this third tier. Uh, but that's where I put them. Finishing probably just outside the playoffs in 10th place. They've lost too many key players and the uncertainty surrounding the ownership is going to hurt them a lot. It's going to be frustrating for them, but I still think they have an outside chance of making the playoffs. Wow. Wow. That's that's very interesting. So I'll have you know, Jack, I was thinking about putting RSL dead last. Because, that's that's honestly fair. <laughs> yeah, that is fair. I, I could see them, you know, getting 10th. I mean, 10th is not... 10th is not too far from 12th, which is where I have them. I just, I see so much, so many question marks and no answers. I see a lot of areas of concern, not a lot of areas of strength. I see a lot of different directions they want to go, but not a unified direction for the club. For me, the question that I'm going to ask for, not necessarily even you, but just RSL faithful. What does this team have to do to be good? There's just so much that they have to do that, to me, this is a multi-year rebuild. It's not something you can fix overnight. They lost some good players. They didn't bring enough good players. It's going to take, in my opinion, a couple of years to you know, get to a solid ground. Even if they do somehow make playoffs this year, it, they're not going to be contenders for at least a couple of years. I might be shooting myself in the foot right there by making such a bold claim. But that's just how I see them. Let's go on to another team who, I'll be honest, for me personally, I was kind of contemplating where to put them. That's San Jose Earthquakes. Take us to the Bay, Jack. Take us to the Bay. Yeah, so 2020 season review. I mean, this was a comeback story for the agents. They didn't win a single game for two months, spanning August 1st to September 27th, after a promising MLS is back performance. But after that, they won 7 out of 10 games to sneak into the playoffs in 8th place, where they fell to uh, Sporting Kansas City after taking them to penalty kicks. Like, they, after scoring, like, I, I, I think it was Chris Wondolowski scoring a last-minute header to take them into extra time and to penalty kicks. And it was a very decent season for them, like a pretty average one. But I, you can't talk about them without talking about their absolutely horrendous defensive record where they conceded 51 goals in 23 games, more than two per game. That That's something that has to be fixed. Uh, but major transfers, San Jose lost quite a few big players, including Danny Hooson and Nick Lima, who both went to Austin FC, and they lost a great midfielder in Vaco. As far as players go, uh, you know, Wando is back for one more year, which is huge for the Quakes because he led them in goals last season. A lot of people question this because they they were thinking, can he really contribute again? And he really did. Uh, for new players, though, they brought in Argentine right back Luciano Abicasis and Eric Remedy, a central defensive midfielder from Atlanta. Uh, as far as their most important players go, I mean, the first one that comes to mind is the record MLS goal scorer, uh, Chris Wondolowski. If he can replicate last season, he could be their MVP and could carry them to another playoffs appearance. Of course, I'd expect Jackson Yule to be solid at central midfield. Uh, you know, he's going to be responsible for a lot of creativity because 
San Jose are looking like they're going to line up in a 4-4-2 as usual. So he's going to be responsible for creating some attacks. And he's usually pretty good at playing those diagonal balls for, uh, you know, Wando to latch onto. And Christian Espinoza, again, probably going to have another great season. He was their MVP last season, and I, I think he could do it again. Uh, major areas of concern. I kind of talked about this. Where's the creativity really coming from? You know, they lost Vako, Husen, uh, and Erickson, which all supplied them with a lot of service and were able to create chances. They still have some solid forwards, but who's going to be supplying them with those chances? Like I said, Jackson Yule technically could do it, but they don't have a really solid creative force. Uh, so what would make their 2021 successful? Just another playoffs appearance would be nice if they could sneak back into it. They haven't always been guaranteed to be in there, and just making it back after a lot of rebuilding can show that last season's performance wasn't just about luck or a good run of form. Uh, other than that, fixing up their defense. You know, they, it's been tough for them. They're, this man-marking system that Alameda has them playing is ha, has left them susceptible to a lot of goals. And if they can shore up that defense, that system becomes a much more potent force. Um, but Stanning's predictions, I have them on the cusp of the second and third tier. I could see them being even lower. Any any team in this kind of third tier, which is ninth through through 11th place for me, could really be interchanged, and I wouldn't be surprised with it at the end of the day. Uh, but, you know, I, I have them finishing ninth, just barely missing out on the playoffs. I, I think they've lost too many players to really be in a solid contention for those spots, but I think they have an outside chance of making it. All right. Well, I, I had them in a sort of similar spot. I had them actually in my fourth tier, but that's not to say that I, don't, I think they're going to be out and out bad i just wouldn't really expect them to be huge playoff contenders kind of on the outside looking in for me uh you know like like you said there, there's a lot of questions about creativity my question for you is how many goals do you think will wando score Ooh, that's a be tough question because i asked that because one of my concerns also is wando's durability I don't know who starting striker is going to be, if not Wondolowski. I, I don't really have an answer for that. But do you think he's going to be able to bag the goals that he's been able to do, even if he's 38? You know, I think he could. And I'm, I'm just making sure to check my stats on this because I want, I want to get this right. But he, he was a regular contributor for them uh, last season. He scored seven goals after only starting in... 13, or actually starting in uh, seven games, he, wow. for every start, he scored a goal, uh, which is not bad. I don't think he's able to put up the numbers that he used to, obviously, but I think if he chips in with like, you know, anywhere from eight to 10 goals, I think he'll, uh, you know, San Jose fans are going to be happy they had him in there because he is a, he's a big part of why they made those playoffs last season. I, like you said, his durability is not the same as it used to be, but I think he's still a solid enough player that can that can regularly contribute and chip in probably just enough to get to double digits. All right, nice. I I also do believe in him. I do, of course, have questions about the ceiling of this group, whether or not they have just the raw talent in their starting eleven on their bench to be actual playoff contenders, be actual 
title contenders. Definitely not title contenders. Let's go on to a team that I think is going to do much better than San Jose Earthquakes. No offense, San Jose fans. That's the Seattle Sounders. 2020 in review, Seattle has always made it to the playoffs last year, getting second in the West with 39 points, losing in the MLS Cup Final to the Columbus Crew. After losing many of their players, they'll be looking to bounce back and hopefully get back into the final and win it this time. Acquisitions and sales, they brought in Freddie Montero, the club's leading goal scorer. You can still bag them in even if he's 33, getting five goals and five assists last year for, I believe, Vancouver Whitecaps in only 1,000 MLS minutes. Pretty impressive. Uh, their only other big transfer, I think, was Kellen Rowe, a decent attacking midfielder who will give them pretty okay attacking depth slash talent. Neither of these acquisitions are necessarily mind-blowing. They did, however, let 11 players go. Gustav Svensson, one of Seattle's best players in recent uh, seasons. He's 34, and he has left the team. Kevin Leardham, a solid right back, left for Inter Miami, and he was joined by Seattle's left back, Jovan Jones. Roman Torres, an ever-solid defender, moved to a Costa Rican club, and that isn't to mention former Minnesota United player Miguel Ibarra leaving as well. Most important slash breakout players, it's exactly who you expect. Nicholas Ladero, one of the best players in the league. MLS best 11 last year, a scary winger for any defender to play against. Raul Ruiz. Oh, I always mess up his name. Raul Rui Diaz. Rui Diaz. I don't know how I, I, I know it's pronounced like that, but my mouth can't make that, that shape. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he said, anyways, I mean, he's a striker who knows how to finish. That's the only thing you need to know about him. 33 goals in 53 games. Like, what else needs to be said about him? Stefan Fry, one of the most underrated goalkeepers in the league. No matter what happens to that backline, he'll always be there to clean up the mess. And Nuhu, the 23-year-old left back known for his exceptional skills in tackling and passing the ball progressively. On his day, he's the best left back in the league. But that brings us to our areas of concern. And, you know, they lost a lot of players, including Jordan Morris, who's going to be out for pretty much the entire season with an ACL tear. They haven't replaced any of the players that they let go. There's been a lot of depth issues in the defense in particular that I'm seeing. And if they don't bring in some reinforcements, it's going to be a long and painful season. What's going to make their 2021 successful? I'd say a solid playoff run. I think they can do it. It just means adding a couple more pieces. But when you look at that attack, when you look at some of the, the pieces like New Who, you see a lot of positivity. And so I think they're going to be able to make a decent enough run. I wouldn't go as far as, say, you know, MLS Cup or Western Conference Final. But somewhere in there, I'm going to say for standing predictions, fourth place, right on the edge between first tier and second tier. Jack, am I overrating them? Uh, no, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, you're, you're right. They shredded a ton of depth. And they're competing in the League's Cup uh, in you know, MLS and potentially the U.S. Open Cup, depending on how they do in the first three games. Sure. And without Jordan Morris, who you know, scored tons of goals, I think he scored 20 in the past two seasons, who scores the goals he contributed? They, they didn't replace him when they loaned him out. And, I mean... I don't really see who's going, who's, uh, who's his replacement. And because of that, their front three, it still looks scary, but significantly less so now. Uh, and, you know, because of that, 
I, I, I put them a little bit lower than you. I put them in the second tier, actually. Okay. Uh, I put them in fifth place, so right on the edge of it. Just, you know, shredding depth for a team like this, uh, I, I just don't think it was the, it was the right move, because they, they really need to, to keep a lot of that depth, because, you know, who's filling in for them when their players are injured, when uh, they need to, you know, compete in the League's Cup? I just don't know, and because of that uncertainty, I, I had to put them a little bit lower than what Seattle fans have been used to in recent years. Now, let's move on to another really good team, in my opinion, at least last season. That's Sporting KC, because their 2020 season, a very, very solid MLS regular season that ended in disappointment. But I guess you can say that about pretty much most SKC seasons. They got first seed in the West, getting 1.86 points per game just to get bounced in the Western Conference semifinals by none other than Minnesota United. In terms of you know who they brought in, who they let go, uh, I believe it is Nicolas Isimat Mirin, a French veteran center back from Beşiktaş in Turkey. He brings in a boatload of experience, previously playing for the likes of Monaco and PSV. Remy Walter, another French player, this time a midfielder from Turkish club Yeni Maltyaspor. He can bring some serious talent into their midfield. They also lost quite a few players, including Matt Besler, who up until this point only played for SKC, who was their most dependable center back, and now he's gone. Gerso and Philippe Gutierrez have also left. Pretty sizable blows. Both players have played pretty decent parts in the club's past few seasons. Other departures include Winston Reed, Gaddy Kinda, Eric Dick, Botond Barath, and Eric Hurtado. Most important slash breakout players... The two names that have to stand out are Pulido and Johnny Russell. Pulido, El Tree's striker, played pretty well last season, getting six goals in the 12 games that he was able to play when he was healthy. He'll be a top-level player if he can stay injury-free this season. That's a big if. Johnny Russell has been an insane winger for SKC since joining, and he'll be looking to get a high amount of goals and assists. He very much has the ability to do. And of course, gotta mention Tim Melia, who had an insane penalty shootout last year, saving all three goals, and that's just insane from him. And at 34, he's still a wall in the net. For breakout stars, who I think will actually have a really big part in their team, obvious answer has to be Busio. The 18-year-old is wearing the number 10 this season, and he will bring in a certain tenacity and creativity in the midfield for SKC. Major areas of concern, I said a lot of really positive things about SKC, but they did let go a lot of good pieces this past offseason. Peter Vermees and SKC struggled in 2019 when their depth, particularly their defensive depth, began to fall apart due to some injuries. So the fact that their defensive depth isn't that great this season, and isn't great to begin with, it does bring in some big questions. Will they be able to continue, or will they repeat 2019? A lot of concerns to bring up. They're also playing at the Leagues Cup. It, it, it might hurt them in the end. What would make their 2021 successful? I'd say a solid playoff run. It doesn't have to be too crazy. It doesn't have to be to the Western Conference final. But getting a really solid run out of these players, I think, will at least make the SKC fans content. I said fifth place for them. Jack, what do you say about our Midwest neighbors? I don't know if they're Midwest. Is, it, wait, before you answer that, is Missouri Midwest? That's the question you have to answer before you get into whatever you're going to say. I, I, think, I think 
Yeah, I'd consider it probably part of the Midwest. It's definitely okay. not the South. That that that's for sure. I I mean, it, it's very much in the middle. Which is Ohio like, Midwest? Is Ohio Midwest? No, no, not is not Michigan Midwest. Midwest. Kinda more Rust Belt, more Rust Belt than Midwest. Is is Rust Belt its own region? I I call it. I always call it its own region personally, but I guess I I know a lot of people consider Michigan part of the part of the Midwest, and a lot of people consider Ohio part of it. I'm right. not sure. I feel like it. Whatever it. it it's it's a, that's another conversation but yeah i don't know how we got <laughs> to this all right go talk about skc who yeah. play in missouri and kansas yeah well i actually rated them pretty highly i put them in third uh okay i i i could honestly swap them with portland uh in this but i'm gonna stick with them putting them in third uh i think they have really solid pieces they got rid of you know club legend matt beasler excellent player I, I'm not sure really who replaces him. That that's the big question I have. I guess uh, you know, the the new French center back they got could definitely do it, but and you know, he's younger as well by like ten years, so that could be helpful. Uh the other big question though is will Alan Polito stay fit? Uh I swear when when like we watched SKC, he was sitting in the stands more often than playing on the field, it seemed like. So uh, you know, if he can if he can stay fit then Sporting Kansas City are going to be scary. All right. Interesting. Interesting. I, I honestly, I could see them doing very, very well. Uh, I can also see them not doing so well and being even lower than that. It all depends on how their depth plays out, in my opinion, how their run in the League's Cup goes, how uh, if they qualify for Open Cup, how that goes. It's very dependent on many different factors. So, you know, I, I, I agree with your sentiments and, you know, We'll, we'll, we'll just see how it plays out. We'll see how our Midwest or maybe not Midwest neighbors play this season. But why don't you take us to far away from the Midwest to our final, final team in this Western Conference preview. Take us to the Pacific Northwest with Vancouver Whitecaps. Yeah, well, a 2020 season review. Uh, you know, in the past few years, it's been one of their better seasons. Uh, they They finished ninth just outside the playoffs, but... They had a really bad defensive record, shipping 44 goals, nearly two per game throughout this season, and that's what they need to fix if they want to improve. Uh, major transfers, the only players that left are Freddy Montero, who went to Seattle, and he was out of contract anyway, and they sent backup goalkeeper Evan Bush uh, to Columbus, and that, that's it. That's, that, those are the only transfers out of note that they had, but they brought in Colombian winner, winger, Day. Diber Caicedo, and loaned in right-back Bruno Gaspar from Sporting CP in Portugal. Those are awesome pieces of business, in my opinion, and it shows a real intent uh, that they really want to create more, and they want to defend more. And that's, you know, those are two areas they really needed help in. And most important players, uh, Lucas Cavallini performed really well for Canada on international duty this past window. And if he stays fit this season, he, he can be a standout performer. Uh, Ali Adnan, the Iraqi wingback, could also be a really important player as well. He loves to bomb forward and paint in crosses, and that would work really well with Cavallini. And I'm also going to say Maxime Crepeau, who on his day is among one of the best goalkeepers in the league, in my opinion. He can be very good and make some incredible saves that you just are left wondering how he even got to those positions to make a save. And because of that, I, I, I have to put him as a potential MVP. Uh, but major areas of concern, 
Uh, one of the big questions is, have they really done enough to fix their defensive record? You know, bringing in this new right back uh, for, on loan from Portugal is a pretty good signing, but not there was no one new in center back who they brought in, which is what they really needed. And they've brought in really good attacking talents, uh, but, you know, there's not really like a, a major creative player that is is going to provide a lot of service for the forwards beyond Ali Adnan. So that that those are the two major areas of concern. What would make 2021 successful? Uh, you know, not being among the like bottom feeders of the Western Conference, I guess, again, because they had some really solid seasons just five years ago where they were finishing like, you know, among the top four even. Uh, and, you know, tr- just being in a meaningful playoff hunt or improving upon the goal differential, that, that would be a good improvement. They need to shore up their defense and a positive or even close to positive goal differential would be a success in and of itself. Uh, but for standings predictions, I, I, I know we don't normally do this, but I might actually change one of my predictions from before <gasps> just because I, in, in talking about this, I realize they're in a much better place than RSL overall. Uh, just because they've brought in a lot more talent and, you know, they've kept a lot of their core. And because of that, I'm going to put them in dead middle of the third tier and I'm going to put them in 10th place, uh, just swapping them with RSL. I even put a note in here that I felt like I could swap them with RSL. Uh, so I think they could mount a challenge for the playoffs. It's unlikely that they'll make it, but I think they could do it because they've got the pieces. It's just about making it click. I honestly really agree. I should put them dead middle in my third tier as well. My third tier uh, is between eight and 10. So I had them in ninth place. Pretty similar to what you have. I I, I will say much like some of the other uh, teams I was talking about, like San Jose. In terms of just raw talent, I think they're lacking. And now that I'm like thinking about this, I could also put them in 10th. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Austin FC moves up a spot above them it just, it just comes down to those the, those question marks in terms of do do they just have the talent you've mentioned a lot of really really good acquisitions but are they going to be good enough are they going to click are they going to be the promising promising players that you're telling your fans in my opinion maybe maybe not i really don't see them making a really big mounting effort to go into the playoffs but to be in that in that bubble, I think is there is their ceiling right now. So that's why I had them in ninth. And I mean, Jack, that's that's the end of our 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 preview. We went pretty long, but at the same time, the Western Conference, in my opinion, is pretty pretty interesting. I'd like to say more interesting than the East. I think there's I just agree. a lot of diversity. There's a lot of like really good players, a lot of really good storylines to talk about. And I'm not just saying that because our team plays in the Western Conference. But Jack, why don't you go through your standings that you're predicting for the Western Conference? Go tier by tier and explain, you know, how how you ordered these teams. Yeah, so in tier one, which is solid playoff and MLS Cup uh, contenders, I have LAFC in first, Minnesota United in second, Sporting Kansas City in third, and Portland in fourth. In my second tier, who are all playoff contenders, uh, and those are spots five through eight. For spot five, I have Seattle. Six, I have the LA Galaxy. Seven, I have FC Dallas. And eight, I have the Colorado Rapids. In my third tier, which goes from ninth place to 11th place, just kind of outside that playoff bubble, 
but not quite in the in the bottom. I have San Jose in ninth, uh, Vancouver in tenth, and RSL in eleventh. And then in the bottom tier, uh, I mean, you could call this the Texas tier, I guess, uh, huh. just because uh, just because of that. But I I in twelfth, I have Austin FC and thirteenth, and also who I think will win the wooden spoon, Houston Dynamo. So uh, and yeah, that that that's how I ranked it. And again, Austin FC, I could rank them higher, but if it, yeah, I I already explained why I didn't rank rank them higher. So all right, cool. Well, I'm gonna start from the bottom up, just like last week. In my bottom tier, which is the outside looking in, I'd be very surprised if they make the playoffs. I had the Dynamo at last in 11th place, RSL. Or sorry, 12th place, RSL. 11th place, San Jose. In the third tier, which is, you know, on the bubble, I said uh, in 10th place, Austin FC, 9th place, Vancouver Whitecaps, and 8th place, LA Galaxy. Second tier, solid playoff contenders. I had uh, in 7th place, Colorado Rapids, 6th place, FC Dallas, and 5th place, Sporting KC. So those are the uh, teams I think would do pretty well in the playoffs and are probably, in my opinions, the most likely to get into the playoffs. And of course, on top is the Eastern Conference front runners. I think they're not only the ones that are going to get into the top four, but the teams that I think are going to be the most likely to make it to MLS Cup from the West. Number four, Seattle Sounders. Number three, our Minnesota United FC. Second place, Portland Timbers. And on top, getting maybe the Supporter Shield is LAFC. And yeah, those are our predictions and previews for the Western Conference. Jack, thank you again for joining me to talk about the Western Conference. Always appreciate it. Do you have anything to say to our viewers or listeners, I suppose? Yeah, well, as always, make sure to follow our Twitter and Instagram at Final Third Show. Uh, We post on there a lot, post some predictions, uh, just post random thoughts about soccer. And, uh, you know, again, look out for, I realize it wasn't actually April 17th, but April 16th, uh, that Friday where Minnesota United play Seattle Sounders. Uh, I think, I think I got that right. I hope so. Uh, but AJ and I are going to figure out some way to live stream that and live commentate that game. Uh, but again, if you have any suggestions on how to do that, you know, uh, send us a DM over Twitter to let us know because we're, we're definitely looking for ways on how we can best incorporate that and make it work out for the best. So yeah, let us know on that. Yeah. And as always, give us a follow and a rating wherever you listen to us from, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podcast Addict, what have you. We'll see you on Monday for our news and predictions show, doing some great uh, predictions for you know the upcoming MLS season next Monday. And next Thursday for a very special deep dive, hoping to get a guest on that, as well as talk about our very, very ultra-specific predictions for MLS. That's going to be the same time, same place next week. And as always, tell your dad. I almost forgot to say that. Oops. To tell your dad about the show. How? Uh, can't get me. You can't get me. All right. See ya. Bye for now. <laughs>